if history has taught us anything, it's don't get in a hurry with this. So. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're uh, they will be over. Good morning, everyone. Time to begin a worship service. If you're visiting with us, we're certainly glad to have you. Ask you to fill out a visitor's card. They're in the back of the pews. Hand them to someone there next to you or put it in the collection plate. Also, this afternoon, we have our 1 p.m. service. We'll have a uh, fellowship meal after this morning's worship, and then we will be eating. We invite you to stay to eat, and we'll have our 1 p.m. service then, and there'll be no 6 o'clock service this evening. Also, Chris just told me that he got a message from uh, Greg Sullivan that uh, they're taking Andrew over to, I guess, the hospital. He's having difficulty breathing. So uh, we want to pray for him, and that's all, that's all we know right now. So if we hear any more, I guess, later on before the service is over, someone will let us know what's going on. Also, I want to say that uh, the life groups, we have got together, and we've got an attendance sheet that we're going to start keeping track of our attendance. We're, we're going to, each, each leader is going to have an individual sheet, and we're going we're gonna to watch around on Sunday mornings, and we're going to check off when you're here. Uh, COVID, the last three years, is, is especially the first couple years of COVID, it has made a difference uh, in in our congregation and all over the world, not just us. And we've had people, we've had people slip through the crack on us and some we haven't been aware of and we want to try to do better. And now the last year hasn't been as bad, but, but we want to, we want to keep in touch with those. We want to know who's, who's, who's coming, and, and if they miss two or three weeks in a row, we want to contact you. We, we want to know that because we don't, we don't want to make a mistake. And, and I know many of you as a congregation has felt the same way. You've been afraid to go visit someone. You didn't know if you was welcome in the house or whatever. But we're going to start doing this, and we're going to start February, the first Sunday in February, which is the fifth I believe but uh, the, the leaders the group leaders we're going to be looking around 
So if you see us looking around, we're looking for you. Right, Rick? So uh, hopefully uh, you'll bear with us on that. And I'd like to read uh, Hebrews chapter uh, 13, verse 17. And it says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourself, for they watch for your souls, as they must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And it's unprofitable for us if we don't do what we're supposed to do. So we ask that you uh, help us with that. And understand if, if you've missed uh, a few times, we're going to be giving you a call. Okay. May God bless us all. Let's bow with me as we go to God in prayer. Father, we're thankful for another day of life that you've given us. Truly thankful for all of our blessings. And, and Father, glad that we're able to, uh, to be able to be here this morning and worship you. We know, Father, that there's uh, shut-ins and those are, there are those who are sick that would love to be with us. And, and we just pray for them. We pray, Father, that we never take this for granted that we are physically able to, to come and be here. And Father, we pray for our shut-ins. We pray, pray that you'll bless them. And for those who are in our Rome Journal, and, and, and Father, for those that, uh, that we may not know about. And Father, for, we pray for uh, Andrew this morning as, as he is being uh, uh, checked out, Lord. We pray that, uh, that the doctors will uh, find out what his problem is and, and, and that he'll be able to, uh, to go back home soon, Father. And, and we just pray that you'll bless them and be with Greg and and Ashley and the family. Father, we're thankful for this congregation. We're thankful for the things that, uh, that we do, things that gets accomplished uh, in not only our area, but Father, the help that uh, we're able to do. And, and just like the, the man that was here with the, with the disaster relief from Tennessee, we're thankful for that program. And, and that you've blessed us, that we've been able to, to help with that. And, and we pray for those who, who are hurting and those who have lost their homes and, and, and lost whatever they have, Father, in their possessions. And, and Father, especially for those who've lost loved ones, we just, we just pray a, a uh, blessing on them that, that only you can give. Father, be with Chris as he brings us uh, a lesson this morning. Father, we're thankful for him and his family and David and his family. And, and, and we pray that we will always serve you in a way that uh, shows that we love you and, and uh, that we let our light shine for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand, please, as we sing our first song? First hymn this morning, number 732. We, <clears throat> we praise thee, O God. 732. We praise thee, O God, for the sun of thy love, for Jesus. 
bring revivals again. Next hymn this morning, number 93. Number 93, Christ for the world we sing. And after this hymn, Brother Casey Baker will have our scripture reading and prayer. Christ for the world we sing, the The scripture this morning is from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through verse 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily 
those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning praying for inspiration that we take the lesson that we are provided today, Father, and that we can take them and apply them in our lives and and better understand, Father, how to bring more believers to you. Father, we pray that you continue to be with those here in the church, Father. We, we thank you for the blessings that you've given us, and we, we pray for the, the inspiration, Father, to use those blessings in a way that does further your glory and, and your name. Father, we pray, with, we pray for those who can't be here this morning, for those who are struggling with health, for, with personal struggles, Father. We pray that, that you comfort them and, and you restore them as needed. We pray that, that your message reach them regardless of their condition or, or their whereabouts, Father. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life, his death, and the grace we receive as a result of his death, Father, and his resurrection and the glory that he represents to us. Forgive us when we sin and fall short of that glory, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Next hymn this morning, number 495, 495, on the depth and the riches. All the depth and the riches of God's saving grace, flowing heaven across for thee. Bear the gift for my sins by the Savior's day, in his suffering Oh, the day of the wonderful 
This morning as we take a moment to prepare our hearts to take the Lord's Supper, I'd like to read from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexplicable and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. As Christians, we need hope. The hope of heaven purifies our lives and realizing what Jesus has done for us, we determine that we need to clean up our daily walk. The hope of heaven comforts our hearts as every one of us goes through crisis in our lives and Jesus is right there. The hope of heaven keeps us faithful to Christ as we grasp that the scriptures call for obedience in Christ's ways. As we take our communion this morning, may we be humbled as we recall that it is only by Jesus' shed blood that we have been saved from our sins and can gain heaven. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this day and the blessings of it. Lord, we thank you for this time that we have to come to step aside from the world and to draw closer to you. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son and the fact that he went to the cross and died for our sins. Just now, Lord, we ask that you be with the loaf as we partake. May it draw us closer to you, and may we remember the sacrifice you made for us, each individual. Be with us and watch over us in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let us pray. Father God, again, we come to you thanking you for the sacrifice that Christ made. <clears throat> and just now, Lord, we ask as we take the fruit with vine that you would uh, bless us, forgive us of our sins. For Lord, we know it's because of your son who shed his blood so freely that we have the opportunity to, to be with you in heaven. Be with us and watch over us in Jesus' name. Amen. this time, while the men are still on the floor, we take a moment to take up a collection. Uh, if you would prefer, there are also collection boxes in the back. Uh, if you would, let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for all that you do for us and all the wonderful blessings you've given to us. Lord, we are such a, a, a richly blessed uh, uh, community, and we thank you, Lord, that 
Uh, you've given us the opportunity to provide for ourselves. Lord, just now we ask that you be with uh, the gift and the giver as uh, we take up this collection. Lord, we pray that you'd also be with the elders as they make the decisions uh, on how to properly use them. Lord, we just pray that we would use them to build your kingdom here on earth and draw those closer to you. Be with us in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 658. 658. There's much to do. This time the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. There is much to do. There's work on every hand. Hark the bridal bells come ringing through the land. Jesus calls for me, I must act with thee. What the thou hast to here must be. Yeah. 
Please be seated. Invitation hymn this morning, number 369. 369. Jesus, the loving shepherd, or the Christian. You better be careful how we sing that song, right? Might end up in Africa or across town. I love that song. It's such a powerful song. It reminds us that evangelism is here and it's so, so vitally necessary in our part that we play in that. Today we're in Acts chapter 2. Grab your Bibles and be flipping over to Acts chapter 2. We've been in Acts 2 now for several weeks as we've walked through this sermon that Peter's been preaching to us. Um, tonight, or <laughs> this morning, uh, we are uh, toward the end of that sermon. In fact, the, the sermon has already concluded, uh, and we are looking at the effects of that sermon. And so, just as a way of catching up, I know we took last week off, and uh, Brother Castile from Churches of Christ Disaster Relief in Nashville did a great job updating us on the work that they're doing there and such a good work that, that they're involved with uh, there and that we get to be a part of. And uh, so we're thankful for that, for that effort and the good work that they do. But uh, just to catch us up from, uh, from, from our hiatus on Acts uh, last week, Jesus has been resurrected. He has ascended. Uh, the king now reigns on his throne. At one time, the, uh, the Pharisees had attempted to take the throne away from God. They had made rules and they had uh, done these things that, in an attempt to put themselves on the throne, in an attempt to put themselves in charge, but Jesus comes and he will not have it. This is his kingdom and things will be done his way. And so now he is enshrined. He's enthroned uh, in heaven uh, the new temple has been dedicated, and that new temple is you and I. The Holy Spirit now lives not in a house made with brick and mortar, but a house made of flesh. And so we are the brand new temple. And so the king is on his throne. The temple has been dedicated. God has brought his people back, and they have been scattered all throughout the Mediterranean world, but he has brought them back to, to one spot here in Jerusalem. The dispersion has, has happened uh, and people are all over the Mediterranean world. But on the day of Pentecost, he has, by providence, brought them all back to this one city. And they are there to hear Peter's message about Jesus uh, and uh, how he is the Messiah. And that they crucified the king that God had sent to save them. The Messiah that they had been waiting on so long that they had been anticipating for thousands of years at this point, they were guilty of his murder. So not only did he come, not only did he verify his presence among them through signs, miracles, and teaching, but they are the ones who murdered him. And so now the, the church is, is, is in 
existence. 3,000 people on that day were cut to the heart. They listened to Peter's message and, and God did something in their hearts and now they are, they've been baptized and now they're a part of the church. Uh, and so this, this amazing thing has happened and, and amazing things are continuing to happen in the church. Would it not be awesome to be a fly on the wall of the first century church in Jerusalem on this day? What, what would a day in their life be like if you could somehow jump in your time machine and go back and spend just, just a day with them? What would they do? How would they act? Who would they talk to? What activities would they be embroiled in? What, what, would, the, what would they focus on? What would they think about? Well, we don't have to wonder because we know the Holy Spirit has recorded for us a day in the life of the first century church. And today we get a window. You get to stand outside like Ebenezer Scrooge looking through the window at this, this first century church and what they would had normally done a day in the life of this first century church. It's recorded for us in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That, that word devoted, you, you need to underline that word. Highlight it. If you write in your Bibles, you need to draw focus to that word because that, that's a big word, and that's a word that we need to think through. Uh, let me give you an illustration of that word. This guy's name is Hiro Anida. He is a Japanese soldier. In fact, he's a second lieutenant in the Japanese army. He is stationed in the Philippines in 1944. His commanding officer puts him in the Philippines, one of the islands, not, not the big island, but one of the, 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 the smaller islands that surrounds the Philippines. He's stationed there. His commanding officer says, you fight the battle until I come get you. Hiro Anita says, yes, sir. And so he continues fighting the battle. In 1945, when the battle's over, uh, airplanes drop pamphlets on the Philippines saying the war has ended, Jap Japan has conceded, uh, the war is over. Hiro Anita and his company get those pamphlets. They see them. They hear the radio uh, saying the war has ended and, and all the things that go on with that, of course. They hear that thing, those things, and they think it's propaganda by the enemy trying to get soldiers to stop. And so they don't stop. They don't stop fighting. They continue on the war. 1950 comes. These guys are still fighting in the Philippines. Hiro Onida and his company now of four to five men are still fighting. In 1954 comes and the first one of his uh, soldiers dies. 1960 comes. They're still fighting. 65 comes. 1974 comes. They're still fighting. In the Philippines in 1974, they are still fighting World War II. This is amazing, right? Two more of his compatriots die. A Japanese college student has done a research paper and is focusing on Hiro Anita because he's presumed dead in 1954. He's presumed dead. Has a funeral, the whole thing. This college student has, has done some research on Hiro Anita and he has gone to the Philippines in an effort to find him. He finds him. This college student, Japanese college student, finds Hiro Anita and he says, The war is over. We lost. 30 years ago, you can come back home now. And Haro Anita said, you're an enemy agent. I will, not hate, I will not hear of it. I will not leave this post until my commanding officer relieves me of it. 
So the college student goes back to Japan. He gets Hiro Inida's commanding officer. Two years later, 1976, the commanding officer and a company uh, of Japanese soldiers goes and finds Hiro Inida again. And his commanding officer finally relieves him of his, of his duty. For 29 years, this man fought a lost war. That's dedication. That's devotion. The war had been lost. He was literally by himself for years fighting an enemy that was overwhelming. And none of that mattered. He just continued doing his job. This guy is devoted. He's wrong, right? And it's an interesting story. He's written a, an autobiography, and, and that's, that's interesting. But what, what, we, what I want you to focus on is check out this guy's devotion. For 29 years, he fought by himself. He's still out there killing people that he thinks are enemy combatants. For 29 years, this guy hunkers down in the middle of a Philippine rainforest and just exists, waiting for an opportunity to continue on in the battle, to continue on in the war. That's devotion. You see it? Like that's the kind of single-minded devotion we have to have for Christ. Nothing else matters. And when literally everything else pointed to this war being over, this guy said, I'm not having it. When my commanding officer will come and relieve me, that's the only opportunity that I'm going to have to be relieved of this post. When Jesus comes back and gets us, that's the only opportunity we have to give up our post. And so we are devoted until that day, just like this guy. I think he died in 2004, 2000, early 2000s. He passes away. He's 91. Um, he goes and he, he continues. He, he's disenfranchised with all the consumerism that's going on in modern-day Japan. By the time he comes back in the 80s, uh, it, it, then the world has changed so much, and he, he's disenfranchised with, with the, the tall buildings and consumerism. So he goes back and he leads, leads a simple life in the Philippines uh, and in Brazil. Um, but this the single-minded devotion is what, I, is what I, I need you to see. That's, that's what we're focused on today as we think through this, this word, uh, devoted. They were devoted to these things. These, there's four concepts. We talked about these in Bible class a little bit. We're going we're gonna to look at them from a slightly different perspective this morning. But they're, they're devoted to these four things. This word devoted, it literally means they, they adhered themselves to these four things. They were super glued to these four things. They were welded to them. Inextricably linked. I welded a little bit in high school for a couple of years that it took welding. Um, you start as you walk through those classes, you kind of start looking around at all the things that are that are welded together, and you think, well, this, like you wrote, you wrote here today in something that had been welded together, and had those welds not held, it would have been a catastrophe, right? Every vehicle you wrote here in today was welded together at some point by somebody or some uh, robot. 
the chairs we're going to go in and sit in a little bit, those are welded together. The ovens that you cook the food in today, those were welded together. <coughs> you see the, the strong link that once you weld something together, it does not undo. These guys were welded to these four concepts. They were super glued to them, inextricably linked to these four concepts. And we need to be two. We need to be welded to these four concepts. There are a couple of thoughts before we get into these four things that, that I want us to see, though. Um, notice first that they devoted themselves to these things. Isn't that interesting? They devoted themselves. This isn't something that God miraculously did to them. This is something that they did for themselves. He's not going to miraculously imbue you with this desire to follow him. But if you devote yourself, you will want to follow him because you see how good he is. You see how he works in your life and how he transforms you from this to Christ. And so they devoted themselves. So don't, don't sit around and wait on something miraculously to happen to you, to give you the desire to follow Christ wholeheartedly like these guys are, like Hiro, Anita fought that war. Don't sit around and wait on that desire to come. You go out and grab it. They devoted themselves. This is, this is their work. It's our work. This is something that we do. We put in the work to do this thing, this devotion. It's the onus is on us. Second thing we need to think about is you can't be the first century church if you're not willing to do what they did. We talk a lot about if I do what they did, I get what they got. Right? You've, you've probably heard that saying. If I do what they did, I get what they got. And so if I worship like they worshiped, then I'm pleasing to God. If I'm saved like they were saved, then I am saved. Right? Because the Bible's clear in how to worship, how to be pleasing to God, how to be saved. The first century church shows us all those things. And so if I am saved as they were saved, then I really am saved. But if I'm saved, quotation marks, some other way other than the first century church was, then, then, then I'm not saved, right? If I try to live life in some other way other than they lived it, I don't get what they got. I need to do what they did so I can get what they got. Does that make sense? So if I'm not willing to put in the work, the devotion, if my devotion's not there, I'm not going to reap the benefits that they got. If I'm not willing to put in the work like they put in the work, then I'm not going to reap the benefits like of what they got. The only reason the events in Acts chapter 4, and you even see it here in, in Acts 2, um, in verse 44, he says, and, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That sounds amazing, right? I want to live in that church. I want to thrive in that church. That, that, sounds, that sounds amazing, doesn't it? To, to, 
to just be a part of what God is doing in that congregation, that would have been phenomenal, wouldn't it? Just to sit back and watch, to be a part of it, to work in that effort. Wow, you know, that would have, that would have been so amazing. I don't get that blessing if I'm not willing to put in this work. If I'm not willing to devote myself to what they devoted themselves to, I'm not going to get the blessings that they got. Everybody with me? Okay. So let's think through. What, what, do, what do they devote themselves to? What should we be devoting ourselves to? Well, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. And, and what would that mean? Well, we talked a little bit in Bible class. Like that would mean how you live righteously this side of the cross because of the kingdom and how it has and how Jesus has transformed me, how my life changes now. And he's filtered down into every aspect. My priorities have changed. What I want has changed. He's even changing my personality, right? Um, everything is transforming. And so how that looks and how I should act and how I should think in this brand new kingdom takes a little while to figure out. A little while being like a lifetime. <laughs> It takes some time to, to think through this stuff. And so that's what I think they're doing. As day by day they are welded to the apostles' teaching. They, they're not giving this up. This, this idea of, uh, of transformation, of changing everything, they are deadlocked on that idea. This will happen. And I'm going to play my part in it. I'm devoted to that idea. There was a guy, uh, one of my best friends in Alabama. Uh, his name is Wayne, and he is from uh, Louisiana. And when I was doing campus ministry at the University of Alabama, he he comes up and he kind of he walks in our doors, and he's not a member of the church. Um, and so he walks in, he says, "Hey," um, he kind of gives me some of his background, the, the denomination that he's from. He says, "You know, my my, my girlfriend's a member of the church," and so. Um, she'll, she'll come up next year. And so uh, we're just kind of checking things out. And I just kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit. I was like, okay. We started having Bible studies. And he started continually coming to, to our worship services. And, and he, was, he was locked into our Bible studies. And we would, we would talk after hours. Uh, we'd be playing ping pong and, and, pl and have Bible conversations, you know. And eventually, this guy was baptized. Amazing, right? It's just phenomenal how God works. But even more phenomenal was his dedication, his devotion to study. In, in six months, I got to see this guy who, who really didn't know an awful lot about Scripture before we met to him knowing and living out Scripture very well. And it wasn't anything I had done necessarily. Uh, it, it was the study time that he had put in all by himself. I said, man, if you ever want to sit down and study, he's like, okay, we'll, we'll do that on Wednesdays, okay? I said, that's, that's, that'll be perfect. And so we would study for a couple of Wednesdays, and, and he'd come back, and he'd have found something new. He'd have he'd had this rev, revelation. Well, I, I need to quit thinking like this, or I need to quit doing this thing, or I need to start doing this thing. I need to start thinking like this. And I say, well, how'd you come to that conclusion? He said, well, over here in Ephesians, 
You know, and he'd read me the verse. I said, I think you got it spot on, man. Yes, this is what the kingdom is like. And that's how it translates into your life. That's what it means to be dedicated to the gospel. To be dedicated to the apostles' doctrine. That's this idea. And some of us have got it, right? I've talked to so many of you, and some of you, you, you got it. And you're putting in the time you're devoted to Scripture, to spending time with it. Some of the rest of us have some work to do, right? And maybe it's through laziness or, or not knowing how, but we've got some work to do. And we need to put in that work. We need to be welded to this idea. We, we can't, this is not one of the things that can fall through the cracks. This is too important. Because you're not going to get to heaven sitting listening to me. You're going to get to heaven because of your own faith. That has to grow. And the only way that grows is for you to be welded to Scripture. That's what these guys were doing. Acts 17.11 is a good Bible example of that. Paul's left Thessalonica where this mob is formed. They ran him out of town. And he comes to the very next city in Macedonia. It's a city called Berea. He gets there. And the Bereans, Luke says, are more noble than those in Thessalonica. Because why? Well, they searched out the scriptures every day. Are you in the scriptures every day? Are you searching the scriptures every day? Are you devoted like that? Are you devoted like Hiro Anita was devoted to the war? Are you welded or super glued to it? Or is it something you come back to every now and then? We have to be better. We have to do better than every now and then. It has to be devotion. Listen to what Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5, verse 6. He blesses those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. The people who are longing for righteousness like a starving man longs for food. Like a man in the desert longs for a drink. If you long for righteousness like that, you know what you will know happen? You'll find it. If you don't long for righteousness like that, you know what will happen? You won't find it. This is a pass-fail situation. This is an all-or-nothing situation. You're either devoted or not. We have to be devoted. This is something that is so vitally important. We have to be devoted to these things, specifically the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching that we find in Scripture. The next thing that the first century church was devoted to, addicted to, <coughs> excuse me, is fellowship. Barnabas is a guy that pops up in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. You, you find this guy, his name's Joseph, uh, but they, they nickname him Barnabas because he is the, the son of encouragement, right? But it, I, I think this guy was addicted to, he's welded to fellowship. Look at the sacrifices that he makes so that he can be in fellowship with people. When he sees a need in Acts chapter 4, you know what he does? The early church is struggling. They don't, they don't have enough money to be able to provide for themselves. And so certain members of the church are selling things and they're giving it to the apostles and the apostles are distributing it so everyone can have something. And so Joseph sees what's going on and you know what he does? 
He goes out and he sells this piece of property and gives it to the apostles and they distribute it to everyone who has need. This guy is a guy who is addicted to fellowship. When he sees someone in the church hurting, what's he do? He steps in and he's willing to sacrifice himself so that they can have what they need. That's devotion. If I hurt me so that you can be better, that's devotion. I think that's devotion to fellowship. Look what else he does. He's going to go out of his way to get the Apostle Paul and bring him to Antioch. Look, look what happens. Uh, he is hanging out in Jerusalem. The Jerusalem church wants to send him to north. They want to send him to Antioch of Syria. And so he goes. <coughs> he gets to Antioch of Syria and he's encouraging the congregation there. And he kind of says, I know the perfect guy. You guys are going to love him. His name's Saul. And they were like, same Saul that killed everybody? He's like, yes, that's Saul. He doesn't do that anymore, though. Jesus has changed him. He's different now. And so he goes all the way to Tarsus to get Saul. It's about 100 miles. He travels for about a week, one way, to get Saul, to bring him back. Why? Because he wants to be in fellowship with Saul. Saul's important to him as a co-worker in the gospel. He's devoted to fellowship. Maybe that would just be some coincidences until you learn about John Mark. Joseph, Barnabas, has a cousin. His name's John Mark. John Mark comes with Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey. He gets homesick or scared or something happens and he leaves halfway through their mission trip and he goes back to Jerusalem but the next trip, when they're ready to go back again, John Mark says, let's go back and get John, or Barnabas says, let's go back and get John Mark. I want to have fellowship with him again. I'm willing to sacrifice myself, and he does. He sacrifices his relationship with Paul for a little bit. I'm willing to sacrifice myself so that I can be in fellowship with this guy. That's what it looks like to be devoted to fellowship. We have to sacrifice ourselves for each other. Next, this breaking of the bread. I, they, do, they do this um, regularly in the first century. They are uh, intimately acquainted with each other. They're always in each other's homes. They're, they're always with each other. Uh, and they are always eating together. But this, I think, is a special type of eating. I think this is the Lord's Supper. And so how are they welded to the Lord's Supper? Well, I think at least one of the ramifications of this, and this is something we could spend the next hour talking about probably, but I think at least one of the ramifications of them being welded to the Lord's Supper is they are addicted to this idea. They're consumed by this idea that Jesus sacrificed himself for me. So what kind of person should I be to honor that sacrifice? If he's willing to give everything for me, what kind of person ought I to be to honor that sacrifice, to not diminish it, to not make it look small, to not make it a perversion of what it really is, because my life reflects that. And if I'm not who I ought to be, then I'm diminishing Jesus' sacrifice for me. I'm making it less. This has to be a central focus, a hub of their faith. It was one of the things that anchored them to a resilient faith. They refused to quit. 
There was zero quit in these guys. In this first century church, they don't quit. Not for any reason. But we're poor. Doesn't matter. I can't eat. Doesn't matter. We're going to take care of all that stuff. My family has disowned me. Doesn't matter. You got a brand new family. They're going to kill me. It doesn't matter. There are some things that are more important than life. Devotion. We need to grab a hold of that. It's something they understood, and it's something we struggle with. Devotion. This last one, the prayers. Uh, I think he's specifically talking about Jewish prayers. Uh, don't forget that this is, this is the early days of the church. And so 99.9% of the people that are in the church are Jewish. Uh, and so they would have prayed three times a day. In the morning they prayed the Shema, it's Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor, yourself. That, that, that Shema. They would have prayed that in the morning in the, uh, at noontime. They would have prayed some of the songs of praise, some of the psalms of praise. They would have focused on that. And then in the evening, they prayed the Shema again along with some psalms of praise and some other things. Psalm 145, for example. Uh, they, would have, they would have focused on those prayers. And he says, the early church is doing that. You're focused on, on prayer. You're welded to prayer. Prayer is something we take not enough stock in. We, we devalue prayer. Let, let me show you, you're familiar with this verse, I, I know, but let me remind you of James 5, 16. He says, the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous person has great power as it's working, right? Incredible, mind-bending, unfathomable power. Often, when someone's struggling, and, and, and I may be the worst offender here, but when someone's struggling, I say, well, what can I do for you? And they'll say, well, you can pray for me. Absolutely. Is there anything else I can do for you? Why in the world do we say that? Prayer is the most important thing we can do for them. It is our first and best line of defense against Satan. It is our first and best line of, uh, of growth in ourselves. It is our only way to talk to the Father, to plead with His help, to plead for His help. We need to be more dependent on prayer. Um, Abraham changes God's mind at the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, God is really ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham kind of peek, peek, peeks up and says, well, what if we can find 50 righteous people? Will you still destroy it? Well, no, not for 50. What about 40? <laughs> he knows how wicked Sodom and Gomorrah is. What about 40? No, not even 40. What about 10? If I can find 10 righteous people, I won't destroy it. He changes God's mind. Moses, on several occasions, changes God's mind through intercession. That's what, we're, that's what we're doing in prayer. We're pleading with the Father, either on our own behalf or someone else's. There's power there. What James says in James 5.16 is not something to treat lightly or to overlook. This is unaccessed power that you have at your disposal. We need to be devoted to that. We need to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers. Welded to these things, saturated in them, consumed by them. These are things that ought to 
be our focus. That ought to be 90% of what we think about, 100% of what we think about. This ought to be what we think about in our free time. We ought to be consumed, devoted, saturated in these things. If we will do that, we will get what they got. Righteousness. Intimacy with each other. Intimacy with the Father. And that's what we all want. We just got to put in the work to do it. We got to do and learn to love doing hard things. Life in this place is not easy. It's easier if we do it together, though. It's easier if we take some advice from, from God's Word on how to make it here better. Fortunately, He gave us the church that makes life here good. Or we can have a family that surrounds us, that loves us, that prays for us, that builds us up, that encourages us, that sometimes disciplines us, that takes care of us. If you want in that church, you've got to get inside of Christ to have your sins washed away. That's baptism and salvation is only imputed to us. It's only given to us at the moment of baptism. When all of our sins are washed away, he adds us to the church and we start this journey for devotion towards righteousness. <coughs> Today, if you're struggling and you need to be baptized, you need to be saved. Today is the perfect opportunity for this. You don't have a guarantee of another second. So why wait? Today, if you're struggling and you need the prayers of this congregation, we want to aid you in any way we can. Why don't you come as we stand and sing? Yeah.
Please be seated. Good morning, Kirk family. A couple of announcements before we are dismissed. If you're visiting with us, we are glad you decided to worship with us this morning. If you can take a moment to fill out a visitor card and place it in one of the black boxes in the back, we'd love to have a record of your attendance. Um, as a reminder that today is evening potluck. Everyone is invited to come to that. Um, love to have you. Um, Alan will say the prayer for the food uh, when he does a close. you have closing prayer? That's the reason I thought you were up here. So, um, But, uh, you know, he'll have a closing prayer for the food. And um, w- there will be 1 o'clock service. There will be no 6 o'clock service. So no 6 o'clock service tonight. But if you are going to Peru, the mission trip, you have a 6 o'clock meeting. So come back at 6 o'clock if you're heading to, to Peru for the mission trip. Also, uh, Team One, that's Jerry's life group. Uh, is in charge of cleanup uh, from the potluck as well. Um, also, February the 1st, which is this Wednesday, Stepping Stone Supper. Uh, this helps support our mission funds. Uh, their soup and sandwiches is on the menu for Stepping Stone Supper uh, this Wednesday at 5.30. Um, also, uh, next Tuesday at 6.30 will be the Ladies of Joy. Um, they will meet here at the building and have a movie night. Um, the movies die hard, am I right? see if it's a Christmas movie or a, uh, an action movie, but uh, I'm joking. I don't know what the movie is. It doesn't tell me, but, um, <laughs> um, uh, but all ladies are encouraged to come to that at 630 uh, next Tuesday. Also, uh, sign up sheet on the bulletin board for all CYC snacks. Uh, these are snacks that kids have chosen uh, for uh, their trip to Gatlinburg for our youth mission, not mission trip, but our youth event at CYC. Christian uh, Youth Conference. Um, Snacks need to be in by February 22nd. Also, February 8th will be the last day for you to bring your um, goodies in for our college kids for their Valentine's Day boxes. Um, We have 15 college students. Um, So, uh, just if you can send them a card of encouragement, if you can maybe send them some heart candies, I know they would greatly appreciate that. Um, updates on our prayer list. I have a card I'd like to read here. Dear church family, words cannot express the amount of gratitude for your love and support of our family during our recent loss. Thank you for the meals that were prepared, flowers and cards and funeral dinner, and most important, your prayers. It is truly a blessing to be able to worship with each one of you. In Christian love, Luann, Trevor, Cheryl, Trenton, Peter, and Weston Egner. And this will be card to be posted out in the four-year board. Um, also, Merrick continue to keep um, James and Casey Benson. Uh, James's uh, mother passed away uh, in a car accident. Uh, they are the young couple that just started coming here. The little boy has red hair. Um, so, so that now that you can kind of put the, the face with who you're praying for, but his mother passed away in a car accident. So keep that family in your prayers. Also, Mern, continue to keep Terry Leaf in your prayers. That's Gary's brother uh, through his cancer. Keep Jim Wilgus in your prayers as well. He has cancer treatment last week, and um, things went well. He has uh, another treatment here in two weeks, so keep him in your prayers. Also, Mern, continue to keep Jennifer Baker in your prayers as she continues with her cancer treatments. And Amber Spritzer as well. She 
continues with hers as well. Um, also, uh, Andrew Sullivan, um, Gary mentioned earlier, he was taken to Cabell Hospital. Um, he was diagnosed last week with um, asthma, and, um, but he's still having breathing problems, so he was taken to Cabell this morning because uh, he's still having difficulties breathing. So keep little Andrew and the Sullivan family in your prayers at this time. That's all the announcements I have. Uh, looking forward to seeing everybody again at 1 o'clock. Uh, we'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 499. 499. We'll sing the last two verses of O to be like thee, and then Brother Alan Payne will have a prayer. Last two verses, O to be like thee. <clears throat> Oh, to be like thee, lowly in spirit, holy and harmless, patient and brave, meekly enduring, cruel reproaches, willing to suffer, loving to save. Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as pray. Oh, wonderful Father, we thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be together this morning with our brothers and sisters in Christ, to sing praises to your name and to worship you. Father, we pray that all that has been said and done here today has been pleasing in your sight. May it go up as a sweet aroma. Father, we ask that you again would be with those who are mentioned, who are ill and who are suffering. Father, we pray you would take care of them and watch over them. Father, we also pray that you will be with those who are about to partake some this summer some various mission trips and such. Father, we pray that you would help those who are doing so be prepared to study, to work hard, and, and to be bold in our proclaiming of Christ. Father, we thank you so much for all you've blessed us with. And Father, as we partake of this food in just a few moments, we pray, Father, that you would Bless those hands who prepared the food. May it nourish our bodies. May the time we spend together, the fellowship, be good for us all. It's in Christ and we pray. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 
I got, got a cow in the refrigerator, so every morning I mark the day off. Yeah. Well, they had a... 